Hello everyone, you are on the Trucker's Voices Podcast. It is time for another episode, so sit back, relax, buckle your seatbelts, and enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone, um, I apologize about that. We was going live on the other uh, stream that we had going, so I had to back out of it and uh, get us back into it. Uh, we got Steve at, back with us now, and uh, if some of you guys that are viewing us uh, can sit, show us and uh, tell us that you can see us live, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, and uh, we're going to kind of kind of, somewhat start over because some of you didn't see it. Um, so um, uh, if you're good with that, Frank, we'll go ahead and just start over. Sure. Um, and go right back into it. Okay, we were we were actually literally having a great conversation a while ago. Yes, we were. It's it's been good, and uh, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, you know to address the the folks out there and uh, to kind of share some of my experiences with trucking. And uh, you know, uh, it's always great to be able to talk with other drivers. Uh, get their input and, uh, you know, be a part of that family, even though you're not right there. And that's one of the great things about this technology gives us that ability to do that. Absolutely. Well, I can see that we got people tuning in now, uh, man, we were just going at it a while ago. So, Hey, y'all, y'all missed the the good part of the show, but guess what? We're going to do it over and get started again. So, um, I'm glad y'all tuning in. Only thing that y'all really missed was the uh, intro and all that, but, um, we got a special guest with us tonight, Mr. Frank Moldecki. Um, am I saying your name right? Yeah. Moldecki. You got it, bud. Moldecki. All right. And he's from uh, Billings, Montana. Um, And uh, we'll just jump right into it right here. He has a lot of interesting stuff to say. So, Frank, we'll do it again. We got a little practice run there. So, Frank, how did you get into the trucking industry? Okay. well, um, mine, uh, I kind of got in via via a little bit of family, like a lot of drivers. Um, I was born in out in New York and uh, my granddad actually drove city bus in New York City and retired doing that. Man, they had to have the patience of a saint, you know, and I applaud him for that. And uh, when I was about six, my one of my uncles, he's a bed bugger, had uh, and he come by with his uh, uh, big old cab over Ford. And I looked at that one, man, this thing is cool, you know, and it just kind of sat there and I really enjoyed it. Um, from there, kind of moved down to South America uh, with my family and I wanted to graduate from stateside high school and met a Peace Corps family down there, ended up in Billings, Montana. So I was slightly out of route in my coming from uh, New York out to Montana, but that's okay. It was uh, well worth the trip. And um, so I've uh, been here uh, ever since 1976. And, you know, a lot like a lot of young people, uh, when I was in high school, I was flipping burgers and, uh, you know, uh, as I got a little bit older, thinking, you know, this this ain't much fun, you know, and uh, was a delivery driver, uh, bringing some food in, had a big old tractor trailer out there. And I looked at that, man, that looks kind of cool, you know, and I talked to the driver a bit. And he kind of told me a little about his story. And uh, so uh, I applied and went to go work in the warehouse for a food distributor here in town. And when I was 21, got my CDL and, you know, now here I am at, you know, 44 uh, years later, still in the industry. Uh, it's been my passion. 
Um, it's been something I've thoroughly enjoyed. It's been great for me and my family. My uh, Both of my sons are in trucking as well. My youngest is um, he's a salesman for a, manuf a trailer company here in town. And my uh, oldest son runs our shop and they've been around trucks their entire life. And like I say, that same passion runs deep. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, like I say, been in it ever since and loved every minute of it. That's great. That's great. So, um, so you say, and I'll go back to what the same question I asked you earlier. So the, the part about you in trucking, um, how have you seen trucking um, progress over the years or, or change for the better? Okay. Well, you know, I think a large part of it has been technology and equipment. Um, from the equipment side, you know, from the 90-nothing Cummins, you know, uh, the coffin sleeper and uh, in the old uh, Kenworth that I initially drove. And from there, you know, into uh, brownie boxes and progressing up into 13s and 18s, run Rocky Mountain doubles my entire career. And uh, so, you know, we've seen the engines uh, change, transmissions change. Uh, driver comfort's been a big one, you know. Back in the day, that coffin sleeper, that's all you had, you know, and, uh, you know, now you got double bunks and refrigerators and nice air ride seats and, you know, uh, more and more drivers have gotten into the automatics and, you know, so now it's kind of like driving a, a pickup with a big old fifth wheel camper behind you, you know, it's that smooth and, uh, you know, so the driver comforts have really been big. Uh, from the safety side, you know, things like the adaptive crew stability control, uh, things along those lines uh, have helped us make us safer as a driver. Um, you know, it still comes down to what we do with those tools that we get and making sure, you know, that uh, we're looking at 15 seconds ahead, you know, like the Smith system preaches, you know, and we're taking in that big picture. We're not surprised by things. So, you know, in some ways, um, it, it's changed a lot for the better. Some ways we're doing things the way we used to, if we want to be safe at the end of the day, the whole idea is get everyone home safely. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know what you're speaking about some of the comforts and, um, of the truck and all that, you know, uh, when I went from that 10 speed, super sing, uh, not super single, but, uh, uh, super 10 speed, you know, there, and then, you know, the regular 10 speed, uh, to the automatic, you know, first I was like, man, I'm not really going to like this automatic at all. Um, cause you know, I drive in Atlanta. Hey, I want to shift those gears. I want to get through it and get out there. But now I've actually come accustomed to it and I'm appreciative of it. You know, it, the automatics, I, I like them and I would recommend, you know, that anybody that's out there shifting and banging the gears, uh, you know, get in the truck with an automatic sometime and, and check it out. Um, it, it, it's, it, it actually uh, is a, a, a safer and a better way to do things this damn time. Yeah. You know, and, and even now it is somewhat, you know, controversial for a lot of drivers, um, a lot of drivers. And I was one of them, quite honestly, you know, when the automatics came out, you know, boy, you know, I, I like having that control. I like know what's going on. And uh, you know, my favorite, was a 13 speed running Rocky mountain doubles, you know, and when I come down a hill, I wanted to know I was going to stay in that gear. Well, the, it, with the automatics, the uh, technology has progressed where that still can happen. You can go into a manual mode. You can still do that. Um, 
for our fleet, the biggest thing that drove us to automatics was the drivers. These guys in L.A. traffic, you know, that left leg was just getting massive for being on that clutch all the time, you know. And uh, so it's been a lot more comfortable and relaxing for them and allowed them to be able to pay attention to other things, which in the end has increased safety. And, uh, you know, um, some people I still like getting behind the wheel of a good 13 speed or or a brownie box or something like that. But I tell you what, that automatic, uh, you know, it's kind of sold me. All right, uh, Steve, uh, take it away from there. You got any questions? You got to put me on the spot. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I guess go back to what I said earlier, Frank, is, is uh, you know, you y'all up there in the Northwest, Northwest Territories, uh, the northern part of the country, uh, that is definitely a different style of driving. Uh, you know, running here in the Midwest, running in the South, yeah, we're going to get a little snow every now and again, but but you guys get some massive snows. You know, what what does a driver do to prepare himself when he's headed to, say, Billings, Montana, to uh, deliver a load? Okay. Well, one of the first things I recommend, go to the website weather.gov. That's going to give you a map of the U.S., and it, it's a color-coded map, so you can kind of see what, uh, what kind of uh, – weather patterns you're going to have ahead of you. And you want to do this a couple of days in advance um, so that you can go ahead and see what is developing before you ever get there. Um, when you go to that, you can put in specific cities. So if you were to put in Billings, Montana, it's going to bring up what the Billings forecast is going to be for the next seven days. But you can go down below uh, and it's going to have the hourly forecast and it'll be the hourly for the next 72 day uh, hours so it's going to give you um what the weather is what the wind is precipitation temperatures off of those things as a driver you can make some determinations um if it is um a snowfall that's around 25 to 30 degrees 35 degrees in that range that's where you're going to get that heavy wet snow that the tires are going to pack down and uh, so if you know that in advance and you see that the temperature is going up, say, in the early 40s the next day and then dropping back down at night, you're going to be on the lookout for black ice. You're going to be looking for shadows during the day as you're coming down a mountain pass or something like that where you're going to have ice there. So it gives you the ability with that information to make some informed choices. Probably one of the best things that we have in our trucks today, from my vantage point, is a thermometer. Back in the day, we didn't have a thermometer built into the truck. So, you know, I used to hang one out the windshield, uh, out the uh, side window there. So I knew what the outside temperature was. You know, the old saying, you know, when you've got ice forming on your mirror, you need to watch out. Well, by that, by the time that happens, you've already been driving on ice. So, yeah. you know, knowing that outside temperature where you're at, because it will change going up and down hills, you know, and things along those lines. So information is going to be really the key for where you're at. And then don't get in a hurry. You know, there's nothing in that box that's worth anybody's life. And, uh, you know, even up here, I've had times where drivers have wanted to go and I've looked at the roads and said, no, I think we're going to park it. Not because I don't trust mm -hmm. my driver, but I don't trust the other folks out there. I want to make sure that at the end of the day, everyone's getting home safe. And if that means I've got to park my truck 
and have the driver take his tent a little bit earlier, that's a whole lot better than someone getting hurt. And uh, recently we had a couple snowstorms and using that weather.gov, we were able to see uh, what was going to develop before the driver ever, ever left our terminal and make good decisions on their routing. In this, in this particular storm here a couple weeks ago, we didn't have them take 94. And as it was, it ended up being a good decision when it was going out to Minnesota. We took them down through 90 in the southern route because when the snowstorm hit, it was close from Billings, Montana to Jamestown, North Dakota for, I think, almost five days. And uh, so if you look in advance of where you're going to go, regardless where it is, and that includes going into the Midwest during tornado season, flood season, you know, things like that. I mean, that's just not a wintertime tool. It's a year-round tool. So know what you're getting into, and that allows you to plan better in advance how you're going to do your day, and you'll arrive there a lot safer and a lot more relaxed. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I can relate to that. I started in the industry in 1989, and I don't remember when the Weather Channel hit and when cable news and all that stuff come out. But, you know, you go in your, your Petros, your TAs, your 76s back then, they all had the cases, the glass cases with the CB radios, the radar detectors. Then they had TVs. And every TV seemed like it had the Weather Channel on it. Yes. And you just had a group of drivers looking. They're, they're trying to figure out where they're going. We, we didn't have this modern technology to see that right then and there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how things, I think you and I, Walt, go when we was trying to get the show straightened up. We talked about that. Would this technology have been good back then or bad? You know, I, I don't know. I, I What we've got now, um, you mentioned all the safety issues, you know, safety components on the trucks. Uh, it just takes time to get used to what that component does uh, right. in, in all reality. And uh, I, I listen to the Dave Nemo show a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, we're, we're holding the wheel and, and we're looking around, we're watching our surroundings and everything, but we don't watch TV going down the road. So we listen to the radio right. and, uh, they had a segment on there the other day, uh, talking about the technology and, uh, and all this stuff and guys was, was complaining about some of it, but I said, you know, I was thinking to myself, once you get this technology and you adapt to it and learn how it, it helps you, it, it really makes a difference in your driving. You know, it does. And one of the things I tell my fleet, you know, because as drivers, we want to be con in control of that truck, and we need to be. You know, so things like the adaptive cruise, uh, where it's going to slow you down, stuff like that, most of that defaults at three seconds. And if you're closer to a truck than three seconds following distance, the truck will intervene. If I, as a driver, uh, um, practicing safe driving, uh, and I'm at my six seconds when I'm going down the highway, uh, the technology will never have to engage. I'll never even know it's there. And uh, when we started moving into that technology, we had those same concerns. You know, my drivers expressed them quite honestly. I, I got up uh, behind the wheel and I tested those technologies before I would allow my drivers to because I wanted to be darn sure that it was going to do what we intended it to do. And that was make us safer. But at the end of the day, we as drivers control that vehicle. 
We don't need the, the, the vehicle controlling us. That is nothing but a stopgap measure to keep us safe if we fail to react to a dangerous situation. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Frank, I did a um, I did a um, share the road um, here at my local high school today, and uh, I was talking to the students about that and showing them the different blind spots around the truck. But I also talked to them about the technology around the truck that we have also. And, um, you know, I always ask that question, what's the most important safety feature that we can have on a truck or, a, you know, a regular passenger vehicle? And, of course, they always say, you know, oh, yeah, it's the uh, it's the brakes, it's the seat belts, um, you know, it's the mirrors. And um, I just let them go ahead and I'll say, no, it's not that. But in the end, I always let them know it's the driver, him or herself that is the most important safety feature of that car. All those other things that we have on those vehicles, plus our commercial vehicles, are absolutely tools to help us do our jobs. So, um, you know, I just like to remind everybody, hey, you are the most important safety feature that we can have on our vehicles. That is right. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I like to tell them also, <clears throat> we all like movies. We all like TV shows. But remember, we don't come back in the next episode. You know, you make that, that wrong decision or somebody else makes that wrong decision. You have to be ready for that because, you know, we, the show doesn't end with you in the hospital and then you come back the next episode and you're, you're just fine. That This is real life, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, Tim brings up a very good point. I was at a conference uh, here in Ohio. And they was talking about automated vehicles and stuff. And, and they was asking us up on the panel what our opinion was. And I said, well, you know, technology's great. Uh, automated vehicles, uh, driverless vehicles, I guess, is fine. But in my personal opinion, you cannot go wrong with a professional driver behind the wheel. And that, that just, and, and like I said, we, that, that word adaptability uh, you know, we need to be able to be open-minded and adapt to all this safety technology. Like you said, you went out and you tested it, you learned it so you could better explain it to your drivers. Um, you know, I've tried to learn everything I can with my truck, learn what it does, you know, in certain situations. I don't try to put myself in those situations, <clears throat> but if something would happen, I, I can know what, what's going to happen. And, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of getting getting adapted to this this modern technology. And I believe it, it has brought the numbers down. You betcha. Yeah. You know, and, and it's familiarity with your equipment is such a key component. When I was running Rocky Mountain Doubles, we go back to wintertime. One of the first things I did before I'd leave the parking lot, I'd get up to about 10 mile an hour and hit the brakes. OK, so how is it breaking? Am I pulling to one side, pulling to another? You know, I wanted to know that equipment before I took off. Um, when I'm training drivers, it's the same thing. I want that driver to know in a controlled environment how they should react in an emergency situation mm -hmm. rather than try to figure it out during that time. The more tools we have as drivers for safety, the better off we are. And yes. so some of those tools come in before we ever hit the road in our preparation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for Frank, um, just kind of segueing into the next section is I want to ask you about some of these slides I've got up here. Yeah. And 
you can speak to those as I scroll through them there. So the first one there, tell us a little bit about this trophy and um, and, and and what it's all about. Well, one of the uh, this is the uh, Montana Motor Carrier of the Year Award. Um, because of my drivers and their efforts, we've won that three times. I think we have a good chance again this year. Um, you know, it's it's an honor for me to stand there with that with that trophy. But I didn't win that trophy. My drivers did. They did it. I gave them the tools. We lit, We worked together. Just because I've been doing this for years doesn't mean I got all the answers. You know, that, that conversation back and forth with the drivers is a critical component of our overall safety. Uh, a lot of the tools that I give to our other drivers came from our drivers that we have in our fleet. Hey, this, you know, this is what I do. This is a great idea. Um, and, um, you know, by sharing that information, all of us together, um, it just makes us overall safer. So that trophy there is a tribute to my drivers and uh, what they have done and what they've earned for us. And because of their efforts, we've got over 60 safety awards in the last 20 years. And that, like I say, has become because of what my drivers have done. And, you know, it's an honor to receive that trophy on their behalf and on behalf of the company. Okay. All right. Um, next slide here. Talk to us. I know what this is. This is all share the road, but talk to us about share the road, uh, share the road in, um, in, in Montana and how you're working with um, share the road out there and, you know, what kind of impact it's having. You betcha. Yeah, this is, one of the things that's near and dear to my heart and near and dear to um, our companies, our CEO's heart. Um, the Share the Road program is probably one of the best programs out there for educating other motorists on how to drive around trucks. And I constantly hear the comment uh, from parents um, about the impact it's had on their, on their uh, students and their children. Um, and it's really refreshing to see that, you know, we'll, we'll get that student behind the wheel of that truck, have cars in our blind spots, and they're amazed at the fact that they can't see that car they just stood beside. And here in Montana, this year we'll end up, 29,000 students have had this program since we started it here. I average about 1,200 students, 12 to 1,400 students a year uh, in this, every driver's ed class um, since we started here has been through this program with the exception of one year during COVID. And uh, it is such a valuable program. Um, we get the uh, uh, driver's education uh, instructors behind the wheel so they get to see it because quite honestly, a lot of them have never been behind the wheel of the truck. <clears throat> and, you know, it's really refreshing when I have parents say, yeah, I was driving with my kid. And they were telling me I was in that trucker's blind spot and I needed to get out of the way. That's what it's all about. You know, the more education like that we can get across the country, the better. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of partners here in Montana that have helped us. We've had uh, all kinds of carriers across the state um, that have been getting involved and help us. And, uh, you know, like I say, it's near and dear to my heart and, I've already told our CEO when I retire in five years, I want to remain in the driver pool so I can continue to do this in my retirement and continue going to the schools and work with those students. 
um, if we can get one student to realize not to pull in front of the truck, realize what our stopping distance is, realize what our blind spots are, and they can stay out of those blind spots and drive safer around us, the better off we all are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and teaching them and showing them the effects of distracted driving is, is vitally important too, because they're at that age where, you know, that's, um, that's, that's prevalent among their uh, generation. And, uh, that's when I was talking to the students today, you know, uh, I told them, I said, it's not worth losing your life, you know, over a, a simple text, um, missing a graduation, missing college, missing a marriage, missing whatever life has to offer. Um, you know, it's not worth it. And and that's what we got to do is we got to educate the up and coming motorist, you know, how to show the road with our commercial vehicles. <clears throat> You betcha. Yeah, it is. It is so important. And I've had the uh, the director of the driver's education program here in Yellowstone County tell me it is the single most valuable uh, program that they have coming into the driver's ed class. And uh, that's really, really nice to hear. It's good to get that great feedback from the students, from the teachers and how much they value it. And uh, because of the the. Uh, success we've had here in Billings. Um, it's now moving across the state. The Office of Public Instruction in Montana now uh, is uh, making sure that all the driver educators know about the Share the Road program, know how to teach a class or know how to get in touch with our Montana Trucking Association to help them put on those classes. It is incredibly valuable. And, uh, you know, I applaud the other carriers um, and, teachers that help us make it happen. And uh, it is really a great program and uh, one of the best ones I think out there for educating our young people. Right, right. All right, let me move to the next slide here. Um, tell us a little bit about this slide here, right here, and what you and your company was doing here or who all was involved here. Okay. Well, um, every year there's Driver Appreciation Week. And, uh, you know, again, drivers are our unsung heroes. We saw during COVID how people come to the realization of the value of drivers and what we do in the economy, the services that we provide. Um, so uh, during Driver Appreciation Week, typically on Wednesday, in cooperation with the scales outside of Billings here um, and the Montana Department of Transportation, and our motor carrier partners uh, here within the state organization, we serve lunch. And uh, we average usually about 650 to 70, 700 lunches served in about a three, three and a half hour period every year. And we've been doing this, I'm thinking for close to about 10 years now. Um, this year, when we do it, uh, our DOT officers are actually gonna help us with the cooking. They're going to be out there cooking the burgers and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, they see that uh, the professionalism and the appreciation for these drivers as well. And uh, so, you know, it's a great way of saying, hey, thank you. And I tell you what, it is so great to see the appreciation, the expression from the drivers, the responses from them 
you know, that, hey, someone values what I am doing. And particularly when that DOT officer hands them that lunch, you know, that partnership that it's developing, um, that, that sense of camaraderie, that is essential for all of us. So, uh, again, uh, very, very blessed, you know, to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, that uh, my employer gives me the opportunity to be involved with all of these things. And I'm extremely grateful for that. I mean, if it's something to support the trucking industry and to support drivers, go do it. Don't need to ask. And, and I really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, I do remember um, during the, the pandemic back in um, uh, 2020, in that era, I remember everybody, you look around, everybody was doing that. They were, um, you know, uh, appreciative of the trucker, giving truckers lunches, sandwiches and stuff like that. Matter of fact, I went through uh, one over close to uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and I actually stopped and interviewed the people that was doing it, you know, because I wanted to know why they was doing it, you know, and how many people they had fed that day. So, you know what? Uh, you do this annually. I would like to see that happen more in other states. You know, I'd like to say, hey, you know what? Uh, truck driver, hey, we appreciate what you do. We know you got a hard job and, you know, your job is so important. So, yeah, I'd like to see that happen in more states. Yeah, you know, and we're seeing it spread across here. We're doing it. Uh, this year uh, out in uh, by Missoula on the west side of the state, in the southeast corner of Montana, the city of Broadus, the whole city puts it on at the scale there, you know. So, you know, we're starting to see that spread, and it is, it is so refreshing. It's such a great thing to do. And, you know, if your state association does not have a program like that, I would encourage you, let them know about it. Um, and encourage them to be a part of that. Um, it is so, so rewarding, and the drivers are so deserving of that. And uh, it's just an honor to be able to serve a driver that way. All right. I just had to throw this up there because um, Steve's seen this. I've seen this, but some other people viewing it uh, might not have seen it. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, you know, out here in Big Sky Country, we're really blessed. This here happens to be out the front window of my wife's Jeep. We're heading up to the mountains. Uh, from Billings, 90 miles away, we can see the Beartooth Mountains up there, Beartooth Pass, uh, topping at about 12,000 feet. And uh, this was actually during the summer. And uh, so you can still see the snow up there. And it's just one of the blessings that we have out here, you know, be able to see that in my up my front window of my truck, that big screen TV, you know, that, that I got there looking out my window and uh, just real blessed to be out here. Um, you know, all of us drivers across the country, we have our own version of that, but this is mine. Absolutely. And I've been privileged to have that um, view myself of uh, driving some equipment from Billings over to Mazula, and uh, I, it was just awe-inspiring. Uh, uh, so, anyway, Steve, go ahead. Um, what you got? Yeah, it's just that's beautiful. That that's <clears throat> to me. That's what I miss about running. You know, the lower forty-eight is is the countryside. I mean, I I see from Dayton, Ohio, to Brownstown, Illinois, and back, and and I do miss that. Uh, I enjoy being home every day, but I, I miss 
parts of the country like this. That is that is just beautiful. Indeed. Yep. All righty. So um, moving from this, um, <clears throat> what I want to do here is um, kind of move into some regulations or some some stuff that FMCSA is talking about. And uh, uh, but let me play this little video clip from uh, Mother Trucker here and. We'll talk about it a little bit after, okay? We may go over tonight a little bit since we had to start the show over. If that's okay, you good with that, Frank? I'm good with that, sir. Okay. Hey, let's this is Alex Mai with Mother Trucker News. We're back at it again. Speed limiter proposal back again. Uh, basically, the FMCSA just announced this recently. After being shelved for years, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration is breathing life back into the proposal that would require the use of speed limiters for commercial motor vehicles. FMCSA announced late in the afternoon on Wednesday, April 27th, that it has issued a notice of intent to move forward with the controversial rulemaking. So I will put that rule of intent down so that you guys can actually read it. But I'm telling you, this is a mess. Although no specific speed was given, FMCSA said the rulemaking would propose that most interstate commercial motor vehicles be speed limited. Commercial motor vehicles with a gross vehicle weight of 26,001 pounds or more that they are equipped with electric engine controlled units, ECUs, are capable of being governor would be subject to the speed limiter mandate. So they haven't thought of a speed limit yet, but this is what I want to say to the FMCSA. Look, okay. There are so many companies out there for insurance reasons that are already doing this for their companies, uh, governing their speed at 62, 63 miles per hour. Most mega carriers already do this. All you're trying to do is regulate for owner operators. Plus, besides that, I would say that there's a lot of times where truck drivers have to speed up and it's more safe to do so. You know, if you put a limit of 60 for all trucks, I mean, that can be extremely dangerous. And I know you're saying you're doing it because there were so many crashes in 2019, but I'm telling you this, there's going to be more. Why? Because every truck is slow as it is, and if we could only go 60 or 55 or whatever you limit us to, you know, the four-wheelers, the cars, the pickups, they're the ones that are the problems. You should limit them, not us. Mother Truckers, comment down below. What are your thoughts about this? But definitely, uh, I think that this is not good news for trucking. They're going to give it about a month for people to say their comments and stuff to the FMCSA if what the speed should be limited as. And all I have to say is uh, limit at 80 miles per hour. That's what you should limit it as. All right, so I don't know if I agree with the 80 miles per hour, but um, you know I'm not in agreement with uh, speed limiters, um, so to speak. Uh, I know you know I drive a 65 mile an hour truck every day, and sometimes when I have to get out and pass somebody that's going 64 and a half, it takes me all day to get around that person, you know. So um, I'm appreciative of some of the drivers that can get on around and get out of the way, you know. Uh, what's your stance on this, uh, right? controversial subject and uh, probably you know the, the the bigger concern for me is the split speed limits you know um, if we're limited at 65 in our company we have a 65 mile an hour speed limit but you go into Utah where it's 80 for the cars you know uh, they're closing up on us mighty fast particularly going up a hill and I think probably a greater danger 
uh, for accidents is that split speed limit. And I'd like to see that addressed uh, because I think that's a much larger problem. Um, politically, it's a, probably a tough one to do. I know out here in Montana, one time we had no speed limit. And you could drive what they call reasonable and prudent. And you could go 110 miles an hour across the state. In fact, we had some car manufacturers that were using our interstates kind of like an autobahn for testing. Um, and uh, so that really raised uh, uh, death rates along the highway. So it is a pretty controversial subject. And I think, you know, in that I have my personal feelings, um, <clears throat> you know, from, from the safety side. You know, the big thing is, you know, if you have an upper limit, let's make sure that everybody is at that upper limit. Let's make sure that uh, the four wheelers have that same limit. Let's make sure that uh, the tires and equipment can handle that safely. Um, you know, let's look at the entire picture and not just one small segment of it. I think we have to take that broader view, uh, <clears throat> not only as an industry, but the general population. Absolutely. Steve? I, I don't disagree with anything Frank said. Um, you know, my truck is, is equipped with, I can tell how fast the vehicle in front of me is going, uh, which is a nice convenience when you've got somebody, you know, with a governed truck like I got at 65, and I'm coming up on somebody, they get within that radar. I can adapt and adjust to be able to go out and maneuver around them. but. I have have seen some speeds come in front of me that I just, wow. You know, it's like, where's the NASCAR track? And <clears throat> I, I totally agree with the split, split speed limit. That That's where they need to start right there. <clears throat> Absolutely. And um, highway speed, uh, Frank, out in Montana, if I remember right, for passenger vehicles on some highways is like, what, 80 miles an hour? Uh, 75. 75. Okay. And, yep. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, if you're going up a hill and, uh, cars going 75 and you've got a loaded set of doubles, like even outside of town here, I'm topping that hill when I was driving about 30 mile an hour. Well, you know, when you got somebody doing 75 coming up on you, boy, they're closing real quick. And, uh, you know, that that poses a, a real big danger. So it's just, you know, like I said, I'd like to see that split speed limit um, uh, addressed. And uh, I think that's probably a much bigger problem across the entire country. Absolutely. Um, well, we're at nine o'clock now, so we normally start winding it down a little bit. Um, uh, any any last words or uh, last thoughts that you um, uh, w would give a professional driver out there, one that maybe just now getting into the industry? Uh, you know, as you're getting into the industry, particularly, um, you know, take that time. You know, the, the, the most dangerous time for the new driver, and we've all been there, is that first couple of years, you know, and you can – mess up your entire career by taking chances, making assumptions, not watching out for the other folks. You know, you're, you're investing in your life career. Make sure that you're not being foolhardy about it. You know, take that time to be safe. 
um, and, uh, you know, find a company that uh, you can grow with, one that treats you with respect, um, one that takes care of their equipment, um, you know, someplace where you can hang your hat and call home. And uh, that's what we as a company have endeavored to be. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a great way. I've got folks that have been with me 28 years, you know, with our company. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, uh, and, you know, there are times when the driver has to make a choice because uh, of the equipment, uh, because it's not a good fit, because of family things. When you make that move, research you know, see, see what you're going to do. Uh, make sure that you're not just going there because the grass is greener. Talk to other drivers, get their experiences, find out about that potential company. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I spent some time as a recruiter and, and I hate that cuss word. And uh, so I, uh, you know, uh, I would always say, hey, you know, here's some of my drivers, talk to them get their input, you know, and I think that's probably some of the best advice I can give for that new driver coming in. All right. Absolutely. Um, how, Steve, you got something, Steve? No, go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. okay. How hard is it, uh, Frank, uh, at your finding to find qualified drivers to fill the seats this day and time? Finding qualified drivers is difficult, especially in this environment. Um, you know, people are trying to get drivers, and suddenly some companies um, choose to take that which they can get. And um, I'm not opposed to getting a new driver. Um, I was the new driver. I started out that way. We all did. Uh, but find someone that is going to train you. And, uh, you know, you can't just give a, the driver the keys, push in these two buttons, and you're now a truck driver. You know, we've got to give people the tools to succeed. And uh, that's uh, one of the things that we try to make sure we do. Um, and, you know, if, if we do that, we're giving our drivers the tools they need. They use those tools. We'll be safe. Okay. All right. Um, as all right, what's your official title, Frank? I am officially on the fleet safety. Oh, I should actually look at my card. <laughs> there, there we go. I'm sorry, folks, but you know, I'm not much into titles. Fleet risk and safety manager is my official title. Okay. And I asked you that for a reason. Cause I wanted to, I, I, I want to lead into something just a little bit here and kind of uh, you can give me either your personal side of it or your your professional side of it with the new drive safe act uh, going on and with the 18 to 20 year olds uh, being able to go interstate. Um, how do you see that being either helpful or not helpful? Well, I think it all depends on how you implement it. Um, not every 18-year-old is ready for the responsibility of driving a truck. So you have to identify that right candidate, first of all. Then you have to develop that candidate uh, and teach them. I think a lot of times 
not just in trucking, but in other industries as well, we expect our people to learn by osmosis, to in, in that emergency situation, to make that instantaneous decision and then hold them culpable for not making the correct decision. We need to give our people those tools. So, um, you know, I mean, I started at 21 and, and back in the day, your training was nowhere near what it, what it was. You know, I mean, I, uh, when I got my chauffeur's license, as it was called back in the day, I took an officer around the block in a car and I got my commercial driver's license, then called the chauffeur's license. And uh, so I think holding us to a standard and that education is a critical component, again, of being safer. Um, and uh, so for that, you know, new driver coming out and quite honestly, you know, our company was asked to be a part of that program by FMCSA. And again, it comes down to like getting that right candidate. And it doesn't matter the age, um, you know, and and that's, you know, another whole part of it. I know a lot of uh, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds that, quite honestly, mm -hmm. when I've done a road test, and we do a 52-mile road test, so I spent some time with that driver. Wow. And on three occasions, I've driven the truck back myself and the drivers, and all three cases had over a million miles. <laughs> yeah, I've had to drive the truck back before on uh, OTRs before also. Yeah, you know, so it really comes down to identifying that right candidate and training them. And it doesn't matter if it's for trucking or sitting in an office, you've got to make sure that you've got that. Yeah. Let's, let's address this. Can you see the comment down there? Yes, sir. Using simulators playing a part in training new drivers in the near future. I like that idea. Um, and um, the reason why is because we're giving an opportunity to get that experience and see those critical situations um, without endangering ourselves or the general public. One of the things that I've taken to doing here, we have forward-facing cameras in our trucks. And uh, so what I do is I download video, um, just random video, my truck's going down the road. And part of our orientation process is, driver, look at this 12-second clip. What are your concerns? And there may or may not be concerns. But the whole idea is training them how to look for those things. Again, much along the lines of the Smith system, looking at 15 seconds and uh, identifying potential problems. Uh, when I go to the high schools, I talk, talk to the students about what I call proactive driving. And with the inclement weather here and running doubles, one of the things that I always did was I'm going uh, up a hill and I see a pickup coming down the opposite way with a trailer. We're on ice. If he crosses that highway, what are my options? You know, um, that distance between us decreases rather fast. And it right. takes an average person when they're paying attention about two seconds to perceive that danger and react to it. Well, a lot of real estate is eaten up in that. So if I'm looking at that possibility in advance, it's keeping me involved in what's going on throughout that process and having a plan in place. So I'm not having to go, oh, God, now what do I do? You know, so I'm being involved in that process. And, uh, you know, again, uh, being involved. Absolutely. Steve? No, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I was you, – you took the words out of my mouth, Tim. I was going to address the uh, yeah. 18 to 20-year-olds because, you know, they're <clears> – <throat> 
everybody wants to drive that big truck. Everybody's like, man, this is cool. But there is a lot of responsibility when you push in brakes in. You know, when you push in buttons in and you take off, it's not just your life you have in hands. You have everybody's. And, <clears throat> you know, it it, it takes, uh, you, you have to, you know, people ask me, what, what would you tell a new driver? Take your time. Take your time and ask plenty of questions. If you don't know, don't guess. Please don't guess. You know, uh, I call Tim quite a bit and ask him questions. <laughs> you betcha. You know, and, 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 you know, as drivers uh, and safety professionals, we need to have that communication ability so that a driver is not embarrassed to, to come right. up and say, hey, what? Or I'm not embarrassed to ask my driver for their opinion. Um, you know, we're in this together and, um, you know, we can all learn from each other. And, uh, you know, that's something that we need to make sure we do. And, uh, you know, uh, it's we've recently started putting our dispatchers uh, in our behind the wheel of our truck in our parking lot. Have you back up a little bit in an empty parking lot? Oh, my gosh, this is so tough. It gives them an ability to understand what the driver is up against. And the more that, you know, our students our uh, dispatchers and other people can see what our drivers are up against, what they face every day. The better understanding there will be, the more respect there will be, the more that they will stay out of our blind spots. They will give us the space we need. I think, you know, it's an education that we all need on all sides to be much safer as a country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Frank, um, Steve, you got anything else? No, go ahead, Tim. Okay. Well, it's, it's absolutely been a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Um, we um, we would love to have you back in the future, um, you know, to talk about what's going on out there with the, you know, the, the Share the Road program that you all do out there, um, how it's going, how the numbers are growing and whatnot. Uh, but we, we definitely appreciate it. Um, so thanks a lot. Um, we always end the show with uh, Speedo's rant of the day. So uh, we're going to get to Speedo's rant of the day, and then we'll close the show out after that, okay? So hang tight. All right. Take it away, Steve. All right. All right. Okay. It's, it's more of a request than a rant, but I guess it is kind of a rant, is driver courtesy. We need to get back to driver courtesy. I mean, I've been out here 33 years, and the courtesy is just going down and down and down. We, we need to start helping each other out. I'm getting more courtesy from four-wheelers than I am my fellow truck drivers. Come on, drivers. Help each other out. Take that few extra seconds. Let that, let that fellow driver out. Let that neighbor out. He'll help you. You help him. Get the courtesy back, please, please. It makes everything a safer environment that we work in if we can just be courteous. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for that rant of the day there, Steve. <laughs> and it's not everybody. Let me let me clarify. It's not everybody. But we do need to get that courtesy back. 
All we, right. We've lost that somewhere. And I blame it on these truck stops taking away the round table. You remember the round tables, Frank? <laughs> we, we, we drove millions of miles sitting around them round tables having coffee and breakfast and dinner or whatever. You got it. And, and I think they have segregated the driver to staying in his own environment, not getting out and, and being kind and being courteous. And, and uh, you know, quick example today, a guy passed me on a flatbed, had his headache rack, had his, had his chain racks and everything there, but he had one tarp that was rolled up and it was kicked out at the bottom. And I just hollered at him and he, he was on the radio. And I said, hey, it's uh, not that big of a deal right now, but next time you stop and check your tires and stuff, I said, hey, check that blue tarp back here because it's starting to kick out on you. And he goes, on it. He said, I got to figure out some other way to put that on there. We, we had a little conversation. He said, I appreciate you noticing it. I said, well, just trying to help. I said, because number one, they're real expensive. Number two, if that thing comes off, and and a, and a motorist hits it or something, and they got your truck number or truck name. It's you know it's it's just a bad deal all the way around. And and uh, he pulled over at the truck stop, got fuel or whatever, and he passed me before I got off my meet point. And uh, he hollered at me and he said, "Was you the one that told me about my tarp?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Man, I appreciate it." And he passed me. And he had two straps on it now. I said, "I don't think it's going anywhere." So yeah. that's the kind of courtesy I'd like to see us get back to help each other. You betcha. Well, Frank, we know you've had a long day. Uh, we've had a long day. We always try to end around 9 o'clock. Um, we went a little over tonight because of the technical issues that we had. But um, great show. Uh, I've got a lot of great comments um, out here at the back. Um, you know, um, one right here says, great job, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for all the info, and God bless you, brother. So, hey, that's what it's all about, you know, and as uh, long as we get good information out there to the drivers and somebody can be helped, our, our, our job has been done. So, Frank, thank you very much uh, for uh, being a part of our podcast tonight. Uh, you bet. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I would look forward to any time that we can do it again. I'd love to be a part of it. Um, you know, like I say, I always like talking truck. Always like to talk about drivers. And, you know, again, it gives us an opportunity to all learn from one another and uh, make the overall industry safer. So uh, thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it and look forward to it again. All righty. Well, if y'all hang tight, I'm going to close the show out the way we always do. And uh, I'll see you right here after we off air in just a second. I believe in God. I